Hello, and welcome to Hero with a Thousand Potions, a gaming podcast where two thirty-something gamers examine the storytelling and gameplay of popular and niche RPGs. It's like a book club, but you just want all the characters to shut up. Today, we're talking about Triangle Strategy, the all-new 2022 tactical role-playing game from Square Enix. The idea for these one-off interviews is pretty simple. We get 10 hours of gameplay in first, try not to talk too much about it in the meantime, and then we'll share our impressions and reactions all together. My name's Tyler, and I'm joined by my friend Nate. Nate, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Tyler. I had an interesting experience today. We're shopping for houses. I went and saw another house with my realtor today. My realtor, she did not know my age previously. She found out I was 35. She was shocked. She said I was a cougar, and she had no idea that I was as old as I was. So I'm having a really good day after learning that information. Your realtor called herself a cougar? No, she called me a cougar because I'm <laughs> way older than she thought I was. You're you're a male cougar. You're a dude. Yes. Dudger. Dudger. Yes. I love it. Or a bobcat. I guess so. A Robert cat. <laughs> I can be having a terrible day and it just takes one little nugget to turn it around. For all the honeys at home, Nate is really, really handsome. I, I didn't say that. My realtor said that. <laughs> I'm sure she was spicy too. How are you doing, Tyler? What's going on in your life? What's going on in my life? Oh my goodness, I'm going to Costa Rica in two and a half weeks for my job and and Panama as well. I'm going to be taking people around uh, those two countries. It's going to be a really exciting time. We're going to see a lot of stuff. I've got a lot of destination research to do, but I know it's going to go over just spectacularly well. I have a lot of confidence in my work and everything that it entails to make delightful vacations happen. I always get worried leading up to it and then once it starts happening everything falls into place i find my rhythm and it's just peachy i know like our podcast the first couple ones i did i was like oh my god what are we doing and then you just get on the mic and it happens so true so true so before we get into it so i'll ask the question when it comes to triangle strategy are you having fun most of the time i'm having fun uh sometimes i'm feeling impatient uh, sometimes i'm trying i'm struggling to get into the storytelling elements but when it's when it's action time. It's a pretty pretty great uh, chin-stroking strategy game. Are you having fun? I'm having lots of fun. We won't keep the, our audience in suspense for an hour or so on whether the, some of the observations we're making actually are producing enjoyment or not. Yeah, I'm having a good time with Triangle Strategy. I will have some criticisms, but overall I'm having a lot of fun playing the game. I found one day I played it for like three hours straight just because I was hooked. If that's any indication, yeah, we're we're on a good course with Triangle Strategy. Let's get into the uh, the meat of this here. Triangle Strategy is developed by a group called Art Dink. I find that name unfortunate, but it is what it is. The game is published by Square Enix and directed by Tomoya Asano. Art Dink and Asano are also responsible for several other Square Enix titles. They got their start doing the 3D Final Fantasy adaptations for Final Fantasy 3 and 4 on the PS. They then transitioned to making a spiritual successor to classic Final Fantasy games in the Four Warriors of Light title for the PS as well, finally making their own original title, Bravely Default. Bravely Default got a sequel and then they eventually made Octopath Traveler before getting to Triangle Strategy here. An interesting point of note is that Bravely Default's Octopath Traveler and Triangle Strategy all have the exact same logo, which is a simple gothic typeface with a white line under them Yeah, and no art, so to speak. These games are definitely an homage to classic NES and 
SNES, even some PlayStation 1 titles as they progress forward. I find it very refreshing to see developers still dedicated to creating new experiences with old norms. So uh, for those that don't already know, Triangle Strategy is a HD, 2D, 3D, I forget what the branding is exactly. 2.5D. Hold on. I've heard that used before. Wasn't like Yoshi's Stories 2.5D? Yeah, maybe that applies to like games that are fully rendered in 3D, but you're still like platforming like new Super Mario. I feel like it's a 2.5D game in my mind. What we mean is the characters and the environments are pixel graphics, but they stand up out of the ground here. It kind of looks like each environment is in a shadow box or a diorama. And if you like pixel art and pixel graphics, it is definitely a throwback to that. If you've played Octopath Traveler, this is an extension of that, of that technology. For the record, it is HD 2D, a visual style that blends 3D environments and modern effects with pixel art characters and details. Octopath Traveler was a more conventional RPG, but this one is bringing it back into the gameplay style of games like Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre, which I know Nate has a big appreciation of. I just quoted my love of Tactics Ogre to somebody today on Twitter. <laughs> Oh yeah, what did you share with him or her? They they accused me of liking games with quote shitty stories, and so I asked them, "What's your favorite video game story?" And they said, "The Witcher 3." And I said, "Great, I love The Witcher 3. Mine is Tactics Ogre. See how much fun it is to just talk about things you like instead of complaining about things you don't like." And I also gave Tactics Ogre credit for your choices heavily influencing the direction of the story, and that's a theme that we will touch on here with triangle strategy. That's probably worth bringing up now after that nice segue there. A big selling point of this game is that choices matter. A major icon that we see in the promotional materials is this is these scales or like the scales of justice. It's like the weighing thing where you've got the two substances on one side and, and you know the, the scales lean in one direction or the other. There's a lot of scenes and we'll probably say more about that in a moment but in a lot of these scenes we are prompted with these choices. There's all always three choices. This is the convictions system and the paths that they go to are liberty, morality, and utility. And I couldn't tell you how exactly these will execute because we only played 10 hours of it and we've answered a lot of these questions. We've registered a lot of shadow points as Nate uh, put it nicely in, uh, in an episode previously here. What it looks like is it's going to play out in this story. Um, you know, it's what our main character Sarah Noah is going to do. Now, we don't talk extensively between ourselves before recording this episode, but we do drop little nuggets on just where we're at and how we're feeling so that we can keep pace with each other. My first big quote I gave to Tyler is, quote, I've been waiting for the invisible hand to let go, and it doesn't, unquote. Yeah, and what do you mean by that, Nate? This game, it took a bit for me to get to the point where I felt like I had any measure of control or expression on what was happening. And I'm gonna elaborate on that later when I use that word expression. Yes, there's there's a lot of cutscenes here, lots and lots of cutscenes, and they are packed with dialogue and people are so courteous and so wordy with their formalities. We're introducing a lot of characters as a very large cast with a lot of characters and we're in they're introducing them one after another in lots of these scenes in the beginning of the game. Game. And so it takes time to get to know them and this um, 
I won't call it an exposition dump because we are speaking with these people rather than reading about them in a, in a text box after text box, but I did feel very fatigued in uh, the first handful of hours in this game um, where I'm kind of, okay, we're learning about these people. The only agency I have in this game for several scenes is clicking through text boxes and menuing. I am not able to actually control my character in an overworld or in these environments that these scenes are taking place in. When the game starts, I don't control my character, walk into a tile that triggers a scene. It just plays the scene from beginning to end. I might have a choice, a morality decision to make somewhere in there, and then the scene ends. And guess what? There could be another scene after that, and another scene after that, and optional scenes that can shed more light on other events and characters that are not currently with our main character as well. This game is, of the 10 hours I've played so far, I think maybe two-thirds of it have been scenes. That's highly possible. Tyler, when I was 11 years old, I remember getting Final Fantasy Tactics, and for the first week I had the game, I was just heartbroken that there was not towns or locations or a world map to explore. There were only bullet points on a map and cutscenes and battles to go to. And I got that game on the same day for a birthday present as getting Mega Man Legends. And Mega Man Legends was all about running around, exploring, kicking pop cans into the woods, and just seeing if you could find some random item in the middle of nowhere. That game was all about exploration. And so Tactics had me revolting against the idea that I couldn't just freely explore and do what I pleased whenever I wanted. I didn't appreciate it as a kid, but I understand what they were going for now, and I really appreciate the game. But this game, Triangle Strategy, might be a little bit too far in the area of controlling my experience. Let's talk about the gameplay. So we talked enough about scenes and the choices matter, um, but uh, when we get into battling, it'll scratch that Final Fantasy Tactics, ta uh, Tactics Ogre itch. It is a grid-based battle system, but leveraging the HD 2D technology, you could drop as many as eight heroes or possibly even more uh, onto uh, a single map. And there could be as many as 10, 15, 20 different foes that you'll have to contend with um, throughout the course of a fight. Each character is its its own class and there aren't any like anonymous characters in your squad like in Final Fantasy Tactics every character in your squad is a relevant plot entity there are no you know anonymous recruits it's spectacular when it's good it's really good after I get through the game I think I'm going to play it again on hard mode and see like if you can really test my metal there sure I think one thing I really enjoy about this game that I will actually say is a detriment to Final Fantasy Tactics is the fact that you can go into battle with seven nine 10 characters on your side of the field. With the original Final Fantasy Tactics, I think the most you can ever have on the field is five. And the reason for that is they turn all of their characters into kinds of superheroes, so to speak. There are characters that with a swing of a blade can drop a meteor on six people at a time and just utterly decimate them. Right now, when I'm playing Triangle Strategy, I'm not noticing anyone with those capabilities. There are majors that at most, under the most pristine conditions, could technically hit five people with a spell of moderate damage but that's about it and this harkens back a little bit more towards the design of fire emblem games or to tactics ogre in which you have a larger cast of characters on the field and more simple capabilities of each member mm -hmm. i personally think it would be hard to make a tactical rpg that's not fun to me its fundamentals are so consistently enjoyable in my mind that it really comes down to the map design 
design and the mechanics of what each class is allowed to do that makes it more or less enjoyable but the base game that's there is always going to be some measure of intriguing to me it's the closest you'll get to being able to play like a DD game in a video game unless you're going to straight up play baldur's gate or divinity which are games that follow the exact rule sets of a DD revision i i haven't kept up with those over the years but i know that those video games do a good job of sticking pretty close to it or if they deviate away from DD rules they offer modes that let you kind of harken to a more strict rule set so barring those the, i think the next layer up is these tactical games and i like even more so than regular rpgs where it's just two rows of you know you got your monsters in a row you got your players in a row i like these three-dimensional spaces it, these mini explorative battles i find much more compelling than just the uh red rover come over kind of battles <laughs> yeah yeah uh the and the environments are great uh these battles they take place in castle courtyards and mines in city centers in harbors and enormous drawbridges over a river um it's every single battle environment is richly detailed has lots of depth and height and um ways in which to squirrel around the map they're great in triangle strategy they use a different system than mana or mp or whatever you want to call it they use a, a tp system that most characters get three or four charges in the in the frame of the game that we're playing in the first 10 hours and moves use up that tp so if you rush into battle and you blow your most expensive abilities at the start great but then you're gonna have to wait turn for turn for your characters to rebuild that tp up into that big move yeah they regenerate uh, one tp per turn yes and so you can either wait a few turns just doing regular actions to get your big move back or you can use smaller more tertiary special abilities in the meantime but you're never going to get back to that three or that four space where you can just continue to blow big moves and it didn't really dawn on me at the beginning of the game because i was playing it like these old tactical games so my mage would just run in and start casting fire spells but then i would notice oh she's in the middle of everything and i've got two to three turns here where i'm literally just smacking people with a book (laughs) it encourages me to pace myself better with what i'm doing and keep more of a controlled huddle or slow progression across the battlefield instead of just walking forward and pressing buttons nonstop. So we've talked about what happens on the battlefield, but just as important to what is happening on the battlefield is the gameplay choices you are making off the battlefield. Now, something interesting I'll note here is that I think it was right after chapter three, the game gives you access to more features of your quote unquote encampment. The encampment is a place where you can step aside during any point of the game to manage your party members and their capabilities and everything. Now, when I played the initial demo, I did not have access to kudos, which are special points you earn by performing unique tasks during battle. You can use those to gain other perks for combat. You can use materials you collect to upgrade weaponry and character capabilities. Oh, and you can also participate in mock battles to experience other strategies that the game kind of wants you to try out. None of them were that complex to me, but hey, they gave it a shot. But these mock battles also offer a chance at more resources and experience that 
that you wouldn't normally have. Mm -hmm. So all of these features in the encampment were not in the demo. And as soon as they were unlocked, I instantly found the kind of behind the scenes nuts and bolts of the game 10 times more interesting to me. Yeah, there's like a shop vendor that sells materials and items you can use. It's it's kind of like your, your hub. There's also in between battles or even in between scenes, you get a chance to explore a map where you actually have general agency over Saranoa, able to control him, like move your stick left and he moves left and move your stick right and he moves right, which is a pretty rare thing to have happen in this game. Uh, but it happens in very select situations and circumstances and you only look around this little map. It's not a very big one. You speak with people, you answer some questions, you pick up shiny objects on the ground and it's kind of baby's first RPG. I do like that when I answer the questions, they don't provide me with this glowing, like you made the right choice. I, I feel like in almost every case, I've been given some sort of, I understand what you're saying, but I also have this other perspective. And the game also doesn't tell you like you are building a heroically good character by the choices you're making. It's more vague and there isn't like an option to just be a dick to your ride to be or say that imperialism is great or you totally support being murdered. <laughs> there are none of those options. You're generally going to be a hero one way or the other, but it does offer a lot of opportunity for different choices that kind of push you in the type of ruler you're going to be. I tried to make all of these dialogue choices in a way that I personally would answer them in what I felt was the best answer, not the best answer for the game or for the mechanics I was shooting for as I perceive them. I tried to stay as hands off with any of that and just go with my gut on what I thought was the way I would answer it as if I were Saranoa. That's interesting. I answered it as if what I think Saranoa would say, not what I would say. For example, he's a noble and if he might have a, a contentious opinion on scummy commoners. And so there was some times where I wasn't, I did not share some compassion for, for them. I don't know. So yeah, th that'll be interesting to see how we diverge later on in the game when these shadow points come to fruition. I like it. I think the game does a good job of allowing for expression in the those moments where you're suggesting things to people, you're answering questions, you're learning different details. Sometimes there are options that you can't give the third answer unless you researched out a certain detail of the world or a piece of lore earlier. And you can give this third answer that is more influential than the other two, almost as if you're more educated than the average Joe. Mm -hmm. I like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So for as many points of expression that there is in the story and exploration of the game i feel like the rpg itself the game design the game play is relatively low expression and what i mean by that is i'll explain it by asking you a question tyler okay tyler what is your saranoa like in battle i play saranoa conservatively i like to wait for the opponents to come to me unless i have an objective that is contrary to that idea um i like getting my shield daddy out there and taunting a bunch of people and then everybody kind of jumps in. And Saranoa will do that. Most of the time he just autos, although he has abilities that increase the amount of time uh, an opponent has to wait for his turn to come back up. Just kind of a guy that uh, helps me get kudos and general autos. He doesn't have an especially complex kit so far. Right. Now I'm going to ask a second question. Tyler, what is your Ramza like? <laughs> 
Uh, my Ramza maximizes Squire all the way down before he goes anywhere else. And then, I don't know, sometimes I flex into Knight or Monk or Geomancer as a means to get the attack up passive. Ninja to help me with the Y-Griff fight. Yeah, so flexible. Yes, so the thing about that is, is when, if somebody were to ask Tyler what his Sarah Noah is like and ask me what my Sarah Noah is like, we're going to have relatively the same answer. Now, if you ask each of us what our Ramza is like, we have an opportunity to have very different answers about that. Now, me, when it comes to my Ramza, I make sure I always get the ability. I love it. It's called Ignore Height. And then I give him Move Shoes, like the Move Plus Two Shoes. Also, Monk, I think it's like a one-shot touch, or maybe his just fist is so strong that there's literally no one that can survive it. It breaks the game, but it's also a lot of fun. There's a fight where you have to climb this tower to kill a priest, and Ramza just walks up to the front of the tower, jumps up the entire thing, and punches the priest dead on the first turn. <laughs> wow. So this is what I mean when I say the the gameplay hat is low on expression. What they do is by keeping this tight lid on what everybody's capabilities are, mm-hmm. all of the challenges of the maps can be tuned and controlled to be this engaging, nail-biting experience at times. Like when we did that castle siege where we're protecting Roland, there were times where I was like, oh shit, I gotta dial back, you know, I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta <laughs> kind of circle around. I think the same thing went with another fight i lost that one i played it like an old school tactics game where i just rushed in and blew all my abilities and then everybody got destroyed and oh my god Mm. i switched to a more circle the wagons strategy after that and had much more success with that so because your capabilities as a player are tightly controlled these battles can be tightly tuned to be engaging that is absolutely not the case in tactics where you can start to break that game fairly early if you so please. And that's because you are allowed to do whatever the hell you want with these characters as long as you want to put the time into them. They can be anything you so desire. I'd say even in the first 10 hours of tactics, you can get some pretty crazy stuff going on. But the plus side is a much tighter tuning for the game. So there's positives and then there's negatives. I personally like that rule-breaking attitude in some games, but I also have to say that Final Fantasy Tactics difficulty curve does not keep up with what I like to do, and I regularly just start obliterating that game the way i play it today Mm -hmm. similarly there are no random battles and they seem to want to limit grinding by even having the mock battles have a little check mark next to them saying you know hey you did this one you don't need to do it again you can do it again if you want but they're kind of telling you no really you don't need to do this again And what happens with that is there's also the the rewards for it kind of scale in that you'll always get the same rewards from the same battle. But one stone is pretty lucrative at the beginning of the game when that can give you an upgrade. But with every upgrade tier, it goes from one stone to five to seemingly like 10. And so the idea that, oh man, I'm going to do 10 of these for my next upgrade it makes me just want to go to the next story element and not grind. There's also a little anti-grind psychology going in there which again it's it's a positive and a negative it's based on your personal preference so altogether the 
RPG of the game, just like the the fact that you're kind of being brought from cutscene to cutscene and experience to experience, and it's a little bit like has a on rails feeling. Your map is only highlighted with one to maybe two immediate things to do instead of a giant map to go wherever yeah. location you feel like at that moment. Mm-hmm. Although that could change. Yeah, that could change. This is the first ten hours for us, but that's what I'm experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the the hand is still got its grip on me. The invisible hand is guiding me where it believes I should go next. In in basically all aspects of the game, story, gameplay, expression, etc. In our Nintendo Hype Train side quest, uh, Nate, you quoted that there was a character that says respite instead of respite, and she says phew instead of, I don't know, an expression like, Ugh. Phew, Glenbrook at last. Finally, we can take a moment of respite from our long journey. So basically, that was your example of how the script is, is read very deliberately uh, by these by these voice actors. And uh, some of it was kind of comical because it was like silly uh, the way it was kind of read there. And I saw that. I didn't think that, that that quote was coming quite as early in the game as it did. But I did see it when it came or I did hear it when it came up. As some of you may know, we are also reviewing, playing, reacting to Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition as our main source of content. I have a second big quote that I dropped to Tyler. Quote, full credit to Xenoblade. The voice acting is totally stellar, and that's more apparent after playing something where it isn't, unquote. As we mentioned, there's a lot of scenes, and most of the scenes are voiced, all the essential characters are voice actors. It's nice that they have voice actors, but they're kind of marginal in quality. Yeah, there is a character I recruited later who I cannot tell what actual accent he's going for. It sounds at time like Southern or just like maybe a country bumpkin of some sort, but he has a lot of lines that that are written on the script with inflections of some sort of accent but because the voice actor is giving zero effort and he's just reading them flat like he just woke up from bed it sounds absolutely off-putting and terrible i think i made the joke in the nintendo episode i said i think they got their voice actors on fiverr <laughs> because like the the lowest uh cost to word count ratio they could possibly get because some of these are just baffling to me it might sound like we're really obsessing about the voice acting here but because the cutscenes are such a major part of the gaming experience like we have to underscore it because that's that's part of it um this game is like a visual novel in a lot of ways i don't know since the heft of this game is embedded in these scenes with all of these characters it's something we have to talk about i experimented with playing the game in japanese just because i had reached a breaking point at one (laughs) at one time i found that despite the lack of quality the voice acting color in battles the spice that they add to combat is something I actually need and I don't get subtitles when in battle so they're just spouting off Japanese terms maybe I should learn Japanese my wife knows it so she would have a much more enjoyable time with this than I would Mm -hmm. but unfortunately I needed to switch back to English in order to get that combat flavor so I'm left with the English voice but hey you gotta do what you gotta do there are times where it's totally fine and there are times where it's actually distractingly bad to where I just have to stop and laugh at what just happened um i put music down music's good music's not too bad found myself humming the courtyard battle one earlier today actually 
I made a comment to you that I think it was the scene before the tourney where you're running around talking to everybody, kind of getting the feel of all the dignitaries visiting the nation. Mm-hmm. The music they play sounds like a Price is Right jingle from the 70s. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that to anybody. Just the little accenting like trumpets and harp strings and the dainty decorative music just gave me this feeling of like I'm guessing the cost of a new toaster. <laughs> I also have a comparison I saw I, I could draw too. There was when we, I think it's when we re- go to House Wolf War for the first time. Th- there's this quirky music that kind of sounds like the interior room, a shop in Ocarina of Time. Like a room you want, you just want to smash pots in and then leave in a non-threatening environment. They're probably trying to lighten the mood because this is a joyous occasion and everybody's meeting up and it's a grand old time. When the battles start, I am engaged with the music. I'm enjoying it a lot. It makes me think of classic original Gundam where it's just just the the feeling of the 70s early 80s and it's got just this orchestrated pompous even if the battle is dark and downtrodden and the stakes are high there's a little bit of optimism and excitement to it like mm-hmm. this situation is really bad but hey it's still an adventure right you're having a good time <laughs> right kids that's the way the music makes me feel in combat it's never just like oh shit the kingdom's on fire everyone's dying <laughs> So, uh, Nate, would you recommend Triangle Strategy? If you enjoy this genre, I think there's a lot to pull out from it. And if you've played other games like this, I think you'll feel right at home with this. There's so many times where it feels like I'm just playing a sequel to a game I've already played and love. And I'm just glad to have more content and more angles to experience from with the new mechanics and characters and spells. And what I would say is if the demo is still available, give it a shot. You might not get incredibly deep battles in the beginning of the game. If the story's annoying you, if you can't stand the voice actors, maybe just skip through them, play some battles, see how you feel about it, and you can revisit those scenes later if you find yourself really enjoying it. Mm. Tyler, how do you feel about it? Would you recommend it? Uh, I would recommend it. Uh, the The battle system is really good. The visual novel component uh, can feel like a drag if you're especially enthusiastic about the uh, battle system. However, you can, you know, advance through these scenes speedily if you chose to but then again you also know that there are decisions to be made there that are going to affect the plot later on and so you're going to might feel reluctant to advance through these scenes rapidly if you know that these shadow points are relevant you're going to have to contend with that even if you just want to play the battles that said it's a great game i like the hd2d technology the music's good the cast are fun the voice acting not so much but as a whole it is a fun fun tactical rpg experience yes i would recommend it thanks for listening everybody this has been a production of hero with a thousand potions recorded march 11th 2022 we have an email hero with a thousand potions at gmail.com that's one zero 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 potions we're also on discord not that i can recite i mean i guess i could recite the url but i'm just not going to uh and uh, a twitter with handle hero with a thousand pot uh thanks for listening everybody expect more 10 hour reviews in the future here i guess we're gonna get back to uh, xenoblade chronicles we got that to get back to don't we yep we're also gonna do a first 10 hours review of the new batman movie i'm going to watch it three times <laughs> 
Right. And uh, I'm going to watch the uh, 1960s Batman movie uh, five times. It's like our branching path. We'll see where did we go wrong in both cases. What did the Riddler do in both cases? Where do I throw the bomb? Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb.